Welcome back to another Wine About podcast. So I feel like I haven't sat down and recorded a podcast episode in like forever because something is happening in Sydney, Australia at the moment. Everybody is sick. I've had like laryngitis and then tonsillitis and it was like an on and off sickness. Some days I literally couldn't even speak. It was really, really bad, but I'm feeling better now. Flu season came and it came pretty, pretty strong. Um, And I've wanted to record this episode for so, so long. I've had, you know, everything ready to go. And I wanted to talk about one of Germany's wine classification systems. I must say also, if I sound a bit funny during this episode, it's because I'm still not fully recovered. So that German classification system I'm going to talk to you today is about the Pradikats vine. So this podcast is going to be helpful to you if you're studying wine or maybe you have an exam coming up and you need to drill this information into your brain or you're working in wine and perhaps um, need to understand these terms a little bit more or maybe you're just a fan and you love drinking wine. But you could also just listen to this as like some wine ASMR, if you find my voice relaxing, that is, you might find it annoying, (laughs) but whatever your reasoning is, relax, enjoy, and take all the information in, because I'm going to nerd out on this episode. I want to give a special thank you to this week's sponsor. It is Wine Maps, and thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast and also being a part of my new journey, and I hope you guys really check it out. So they are on Instagram under Wine Maps, and I'll just briefly explain to you what it is. Um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool feature, and I can see this platform growing and developing and helping all of us wine lovers out when we do want to travel. So it's a global tourism website and mobile app, and it does allow you to find unique places with the ability to search wineries near and far with interactive maps. Depending on what kind of experience you're after, you can filter wineries and you can filter them by wedding spots, if they offer free tastings, pet friendly if you're traveling around with your dogs, kid friendly, which is really great. I would love that option. Organic, biodynamic, if they offer tours and so many more other options. You can even select a wine route that fits your trip save it and then share your favorite spots and invite others to join your wine tour. And this would really make um, girls weekends away or group wine tours so much easier with that ability to share the itinerary and map everything out on these maps. I think it's fantastic. So go to the website, go check out the Instagram page, wine maps. So the Pradikats vine, Pradikats vine is in, it's under German wine law. It's part of Germany's wine classification system. I did actually try and find out what the English translation for Pratikat is because I know Wein is wine, but I mean, hey, what does Pratikat mean in English? Pratikat um, roughly translates into kind of grating or rating or marks. So that makes sense. So I guess it's in English rating of wine. So typically wine classification systems around the world are based upon location. So they are terroir specific. So wine coming from a certain region or a certain sub-region or a village, even down to a tiny little vineyard. And the rules around the world include these geographic specifications. This could be, you know, in the world of wine, something like a Grand Cru, uh, which is terroir specific, like Chablis Grand Cru, or it could even be a broader appellation like Chianti Classico or Champagne. These are all based and marketed 
focusing on the location and special terroir-specific sites. However, the German classification system, the Prädikatsfein, is pretty unique in the wine world as it is based upon the grading of the ripeness level at harvest. Nothing to do with where the grapes come from, all to do with the ripeness of the grapes at harvest. So Germany is one of the world's most northerly and coldest wine producing regions. It's freezing. I've been to, um, where was I in Germany? Berlin in winter and it was like minus 22 degrees. It was so freaking cold. So it comes with its struggles when it's, you know, growing grapes. And the main one would be that grapes might have an issue reaching optimal ripeness levels. Prädikatswein is the top tier of German wine. And, you know, ripeness because of Germany's cold climate is a key indicator of quality. And that is what the Prädikatswein is based upon. So you could essentially say it is kind of terroir, but not directly linked because if you're, if the grapes are reaching optimal ripeness, it's because they're on a site that is allowing them to do so. So, hey, maybe at the end of the day, there is a little bit of terroir thrown into the predicates vine. Um, so the predicates vine must be produced from the allowed varieties in one of the 39 subregions in Germany or one of the 13 German wine growing regions. So the key defining rule of the um, Prädikatswein is the minimum um, must weight, so the minimum ripeness level at harvest. And for Prädikatswein, it it varies region to region and for variety and variety, but let's say it's 67 degrees because that's kind of the minimum um, minimum level throughout the classification system, 67. Germany also has other classification systems. So the key defining rule is that grapes at harvest, so when they're about to be picked, must have a minimum must weight, so minimum ripeness level of or over around 67 um, degrees Oschless. Okay, just in case some of you can a bit confused with that. So the must weight in Germany is expressed as um, Oschless degrees and you might see it abbreviated on paper to a capital, like a little dot, a capital O and then an E, and the grapes can be measured on a thermometer-like device called a hydrometer, um, which actually has a graduated scale that compares the specific gravity of the must to the specific gravity of the water. I told you guys we're going to know it out here. And from this rating, the potential alcohol level of the finished wine can be determined and the basis for quality category classification. You know, different grapes ripen at different times as well. So, you know, Multhurga might it ripens earlier than Riesling and so on and so forth. So the the winemakers are able to take their hydrometer and go out and determine the ripeness levels of the grapes. So once the vigneron or winemaker is aware of the ripeness level because he's used his handy hydrometer, he can then classify the wine into one of the six official Pradicat levels. Each Pradicat level has a minimum ripeness level and this ripeness level is going to differ from grape variety. So if it's a Riesling or Pinot um, and also depending on the growing region, it isn't the same set must weight for every variety in every region, there are indeed some variables. So one of the variables would be, so in the more southern, warmer regions of Germany, like Baden, the minimum ripeness levels are going to be higher. So you also might be thinking now, before this nerding out, um, 
If I'm not starting wine, why is this important for me to know? Fair question. And um, well, these six levels, the Pratikat, they can actually indicate a lot about the wine's fruit profile, which can then help you make a better buying decision when shopping for German wines. Let's take a Riesling, for example, because Riesling, um, I know in Australia I've only ever seen Pratikat's wine Riesling, but other varieties obviously do exist. Uh, But Riesling, as it ripens, will develop different flavours. So it might start out on the tartar side with green apples and lime, but as the grape ripens, you might get notes of white florals, honey blossom, and more exotic and tropical flavours, dried mango, pawpaw, you know, things like orange marmalade. So as the Pratikat kind of goes up in ripeness level, you're going to get a different experience and a different set of aromas. Another common question you might be thinking, I just want to answer it, um, are Pratikat wines all sweet? So riper grapes do equal a higher sugar content, but just because there is more sugar in the grapes does it not mean that the final wine will be sweet. It's entirely up to the producer, and if they would like to make a, a sweet wine or a dry wine or somewhere in between, they will ferment it to that point. Okay, let's get into the Pratikat system. So six levels, like I've mentioned a few times, I'm just trying to drill that into your head. Pratikat's fine, six levels. And I'm going to talk to you about them from the beginning, so the least ripe to the most ripe, and this term is going to appear on the label. They're not hiding anything from you. It's going to be plain and clear on the label. Okay, so numero uno, the first level of the Pratikat's fine is Gabinet. Spelt K-A-B-I-N-E-T-T, cabinet. And this is the lightest style of wine. So the least dry, the lightest style. And the wines here are going to range from dry to off dry. Um, rumoured, it's a rumour, but the term cabinet is to have originated as indicating that the winemaker felt it was good enough to put in his own cabinet rather than for sale. Okay, heading up to number two in the Pratikat's vine, we have the next category, which is Spatlez. Spatlez, spelled S-P-A-T-L-E-S-E, which means in German, the translation to English is late harvest. But these are not as sweet as, say, late harvest dessert wines you'd see for sale in Australia and the U.S., um, they're typically going to be sweeter than cabinet, but remember, not always. Um, but they will be fruitier because the fruit was harvested riper than the cabinet fruit. Um, the grapes are picked roughly, you know, seven or so days after the normal cabinet's harvest. Um, and this is with every predicate level as we go up in the um, the predicates fine. Because they're waiting to pick the fruit, you know, it brings a risk of the crop being ruined by rain and climatic issues. And if it's made into a dry style, so if you've got a bone dry spatelesse style of wine, they can be relatively full bodied. Okay, stepping up in the Pradikatz wine system, we have Oschles. Oschles spelled A-U-S-L-E-S-E, A-U-S-L-E-S-E. And the translation to English from German is select harvest. So these wines are made from very ripe grapes. You know, they're hand-select bunches. So the, the pickers will have to go around through the vines and just select the ripe bunches from, from the grapes to make the vines, to make the wines. The grapes here are typically, you know, semi-sweet or sweet. 
and occasionally we'll have some Petritus characters. These wines can be dry, although they're, they're rarely going to be. I've never seen a dry Oschles wine, although I would like to try it just because I've never seen it before. And the tricky thing about Oschles, so this category actually has the widest range of wine styles as it technically can be made into a dry wine or a dessert wine and kind of everything in between depending how much residual sugar is left over in the wine. Okay, number four in the Pradikatz wine is Beren Oschles. So Beren Oschles, B-E-E-R-E-N-A-U-S-L-E-S-E. So it's pretty much Oschles and then you just stick Beren in front of it. And this translates into English um, from German as Select Berry Harvest. And this is made from overripe grapes. So these are individually selected bunches and the grapes are often here affected by noble rot and that's a... A very particular character and obviously like noble rod isn't going to be for every grape variety but when it comes to grape varieties like riesling they can be affected by noble rod you're not going to get a baron or chalice pinot noir so this category makes a really rich style of dessert wine maybe you can compare it to something like um a betrayed semillon from the hunter we're talking that kind of sweetness Moving on is trocken Berenoschles. So think of the previous category, Berenoschles, put trocken in front of it. And it means select dry berry harvest or kind of like a um, dry berry selection. And these are selected so the grapes are going to be overripe and shriveled. You might be thinking, why is trocken there? Doesn't trocken mean dry? Well, yeah, it does. But in this situation, trocken in this phrase refers to the grapes being dried on the vine rather than being dry in style because I'm telling you now Trockenberry and Oschlesen never ever going to be dry never never okay last but not least we have ice wine this is the final level in the predicates wine system and these are made from grapes that have been naturally frozen on the vine making for a very very concentrated style of wine so I have to just emphasize they have to be naturally frozen on the wine, uh, vine, sorry. You can't just pick grapes and then freeze them like I know some Canadian ice wine styles are made. So they must reach the same minimum level sugar content. So the minimum ripeness level must be the same as the Baron Oschles category. The most classic styles of ice wine um, are also just going to be frozen berries and not botrytis grapes. Another thing, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but leaving the grapes on the, the vine to get that additional ripeness level always is going to come with the risk of rain or some other climatic condition. It might be the noble rot then turns into grey rot and you can't use those berries anymore. So there's always a risk the riper the grapes are. And ice wine in particular, it's it's definitely not made every year. And I think the last vintage in 2020, I remember reading that only one or two producers were even able to make this style. So it's very risky. You know, you leave the crop on there to for the grapes to freeze, but anything can happen to those berries. Rain, you know, birds can eat them. Anything can anything can go wrong. So it's very very. Um, tricky style, also labor intensive. You have to remember that people are literally going out there in the freezing cold. Imagine that, like they're freezing little fingers. I mean, obviously wearing gloves, but then having to pick those frozen grapes off the vine. And this stuff is under undervalued and underpriced in my personal opinion. It does set you back a pretty penny, like $400 I think was the JJ Promise wine that I tried. But if you compare that to like a Grand Cru Burgundy for $400, like Ice wine 
way more risky and way more labour intensity. Um, but I guess it's all about demand and supply and demand in that sense. Okay, well, that was a, a good old rant, but I think I am going to kind of finalise it there for the Pratt Vine podcast. So hopefully you learned something. If you've got an exam coming up, hopefully that just jogs your memory. I think this information would um, really benefit maybe someone doing Wessit 2 or 3. Um, and, yeah, or if it's just given you a little bit more confidence next time you go into the wine shop or you're looking at a restaurant wine list and want to have a German Riesling or a German wine and you see one of the Pratikat classifications on the on the list or on the bottle, you'll know what to do. So thank you so much. Go and follow me on Instagram, The Wine About, or my other Instagram, The Wine About 2.0. Um, yeah, keep trying new wines, keep opening up your palate and – exploring the wine world. Bye guys.